Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and my partner in crime is Katie. Are we admitting that we're criminals on a recording? That's not a good idea. Okay, yeah, maybe not the best idea. Mm-hmm. How about the she to my nanigans? I feel like I'm the nanigans in this case, and you're more the she, but whatever. Let's just fly into the Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 21, The Eye of the Snake, and it's absolutely no corresponding film scenes. The students get a lesson on emaciated horsey birds, while Hagrid gets a lesson on giant pink bitches. The author inadvertently causes the biggest fandom fight since Dumbledore said calmly. Hermione is ready to go ham on all the bitches. Harry is glad to finally learn that he is not as mad as he felt when he first saw the Thestrals. Neville handles himself well, but somehow his words still get cunted up by Pepto Bitchmall. Nazi von Douchebag II keeps up with his grand tradition of shitty insults that wouldn't make an onion cry. And Ron completely forgets to mention that Harry doesn't actually have to suffer through a completely miserable Christmas, causing Harry to have to choose between hitting him and hugging him. I would do both. Yes. During episode 154, Don't Half a Cow, our Potter pondering was... What are your thoughts on how much of Umbridge's persecution towards Hagrid was left out of the movie? This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. How do I feel about the film leaving out Umbridge's prosecution of Hagrid? And I feel shitty about it, obviously. But, you know, it is what it is. I feel like, and spoiler alert, because I'm about to talk about some shit we haven't got to yet. I feel that if they included all of Umbridge's persecution of Hagrid, they would also have to include that big-ass fight scene that we didn't get. And y'all know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Y'all remember when those auras pulled up and was trying to drag my boy back to Azkaban and he wasn't having it? And they were stunning him and they weren't because they were bouncing off his ass and one popped Fang and they almost murked McGonagall? And my boy ran off like a thief in the night because fuck that, he ain't going. Oh, yeah, they couldn't put that in there. And if they would have added all of Umbridge's prosecution in that scene, that would have been like 30 minutes and I don't know how many thousands of dollars. But boy, was I pissed off that they didn't put that shit in there, man. That was one of my favorite parts. And honestly, up in my top parts that they, you know, omitted from the movies, I was very angry that that wasn't in there. But hey, what do you expect in this movie? You know, the shortest one. But it's whatever. They couldn't afford to do it, though. They're like, ah, not another ounce of CGI. We need every last penny for that final fight scene, which I ain't complaining about. That was badass between Dumbly and Voldemort. But I, you know, I get it. I get it. Just highly disappointed. That's all. And, you know, it kind of sucks because I did really enjoy this movie a lot more than some of the other ones because, you know, shit has obviously gotten real at this point. And although I despise Umbridge with every fiber 
of my being. I really did enjoy seeing her and the montages and things like that that they had going on in this film. But great disservice, great disservice of my boy Hagrid for not getting a whoop on some motherfuckers in this movie. They wrong for that shit. Hey, Ellen. Hey, Katie. Jackson here with this week's Pot of Pondering. I really don't like that they left out so much of Umbridge's persecution of Hagrid. I mean, yeah, we got to see what she was like, and they did it really well in the movie, but her persecution of Hagrid would have just really driven it home. Hey, this is Jessica calling in my Potter pondering for this week. Taking away Hagrid's lessons was total bullshit. Seeing him be so happy and excited to teach his students about bestrals would have been so nice. I always loved reading about the magical creature classes in the books and seeing just the one lesson in the third movie was not enough. And even though I hate the bitch, Humbridge miming her words to Hagrid would have been so funny to see on screen. The way Imelda would have portrayed that could have been so great. Hagrid just trying to continue the class, not understanding why she's being so fucking rude to him would have been so funny. I can just hear him being like, anyway, we were robbed. Even Draco going from scaredy cat to cocky little dick bond would have been so funny to see. Also, if there weren't any changes made to the scene, it should have been an additional part of Hermione drinking the shit out of Pansy Parbichson. But seriously, they needed to stop stealing time from Hagrid. He was such a great character and a great teacher. And he deserves screen time. I will forever be salty about this. And a wand's up for Robbie. He'll be missed. Bye. Thank you so much for your responses. Good ones. Yeah. Our trivia question last week was, what does Harry Dream Cho said he promised her 150 of? Harry dreams that Cho is upset with him because he promised her 150 chocolate frog cards that he just doesn't deliver. Congratulations goes to Megan Slater. Woohoo! She is up to seven weeks in a row. Girl. I think Mike might be starting to get a little bit nervous now. I would be if I was him. He said that he could have beat her this week if he had been home. A likely story. Yeah, so I'm wondering if he's going to catch her this time. We shall see. For now, let's dive into the second half of Chapter 21, The Eye of the Snake, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 21, The Eye of the Snake, Part 2. Once the rest of the DA members arrive, Harry announces that they're going to review their previous lessons since there's no point in starting something new before they take three weeks off. Zachariah Smith isn't happy about this, but no one else seems to mind, and they all pair off and start with the impediment jinx. Harry starts off paired with Neville, who has improved beyond all recognition, and after the third time Harry unfreezes, he sets Neville to work with Ron and Hermione and walks around. After ten minutes, they switch to the stunning charm, and Harry watches with pride as he sees all the progress they've made. At the end of the hour, he stops them and compliments how good they're getting, saying they may even be able to start Patronuses after the holidays. They all leave in twos and threes, and when Ron and Hermione leave, Harry hangs back, hoping for a Merry Christmas from Cho. 
He pretends to straighten the pillows as he hears her tell Marietta to go on, and when he's quite sure they're alone, he waits for her to speak. Instead, he hears a sniff and looks over to realize she's crying. He isn't quite sure what to do, but asks her what's up. She wipes her eyes and apologizes, explaining that she's just wondering if Cedric would still be alive if he had known all this stuff. Harry explains that he did know it and was really good at it, but if Voldemort wants to kill you, you don't stand a chance. Cho brings up how Harry survived as a baby, and Harry miserably moves towards the door as he says he doesn't know how. Cho begs him not to leave and again apologizes for getting so upset. She acknowledges that it must be horrible for him to hear about it when he probably just wants to forget. Harry doesn't say anything and she changes the subject to tell him that he's a really good teacher because she's never been able to stun anything before. Harry awkwardly says thanks and Cho points out the mistletoe above them. Mouth very dry, he says it's probably full of nargles. Cho asks him what nargles are and he says he has no idea she'd have to ask Looney. Cho gives a mix of a sob and a laugh and tells Harry that she really likes him as she leans in and Harry's brain basically gets stunned. A half hour later, he's back in the common room where he finds Hermione writing a letter and Ron trying to finish his transfiguration homework. Ron wants to know what kept him and when Harry is unable to answer, Hermione asks him if he's okay. He sort of shrugs and Ron wants to know what happened. When Harry still can't answer, Hermione matter-of-factly asks him if Cho cornered him after the meeting. Harry manages a nod and Ron sniggers, wondering what she wanted, but Hermione just directly asks him if they kissed. This stops Ron's laughing and he sits up straight and curiously asks for the response. When Harry nods again, Ron raises a triumphant fist and starts laughing again before asking him how it was. Harry honestly replies that it was wet, explaining that Cho had been crying. This makes Ron wonder if Harry is that bad at kissing, but Hermione interjects to insist that he isn't. When Ron sharply wonders how Hermione knows that, she tells the boys that Cho spends half her time crying these days. Ron thinks that some snogging would cheer her up, but Hermione calls him an insensitive wart and explains to both boys that Cho is feeling very sad because of Cedric dying, confused because she also likes Harry and she isn't sure who she likes best, guilty because kissing Harry is an insult to Cedric's memory, worried about what everyone else will say if she starts going out with Harry, and also confused about liking Harry in general since he was with Cedric when he died. On top of all of that, she's afraid of being thrown off the Ravenclaw Quidditch team for flying badly. Ron doesn't think anyone could feel all that at once without exploding, but Hermione nastily tells him that just because he's got the emotional range of a teaspoon doesn't mean they all do. Harry defensively tells Hermione that Cho started it all and he really didn't know what to do. Hermione tells him that he just had to be nice to her and asks if he was. He says that he sort of patted her on the back a bit, and Hermione manages to avoid rolling her eyes before asking if he's going to see her again. He imagines going somewhere like Hogsmeade with Cho and feels extremely nervous. Hermione assures him that he'll have plenty of opportunity to ask her, telling Ron that Harry's liked her for ages, and leaving Harry thinking about how he always imagined spending time with a happy Cho, not one sobbing uncontrollably. Ron changes the subject to ask Hermione who she's writing to, and he falls silent, looking disgruntled when she informs him she's writing to Victor Crumb. 
After 20 minutes of silence, Ron finishes his essay, Hermione finishes her letter, and Harry stares into the fire, wishing Sirius would appear to give him advice about girls. This doesn't happen, and Harry just watches the fire crackle, until they're once again the last three left in the common room. Hermione yawns and says goodnight before heading up to her dormitory. Ron asks Harry what she sees in Crumb as they head to their own dormitory, and Harry considers it before pointing out that he's older and an international Quidditch player. This aggravates Ron, who says apart from that, he's a grouchy git, and Harry absentmindedly agrees, still thinking about Cho. They change into their pajamas and say goodnight. Harry falls asleep and dreams he's back in the DA room, where Cho is accusing him of luring her there with the promise of giving her 150 chocolate frog cards. He protests and she pulls out all the cards that Cedric gave her, as Hermione tells him that he did promise her so he better give her something else. She suggests his firebolt, and as Harry tries to argue that and say how ridiculous it all is, the dream shifts. Harry's body feels smooth, powerful, and flexible. He's gliding through the dark, across the cold stone on his belly. The corridor appears to be empty at first glance, but then he sees a man sitting on the floor up ahead, chin drooping to his chest as he dozes. Harry longs to bite him, but resists until the man begins stirring and jumps to his feet, pulling out his wand. Harry has no choice but to attack and rears up from the floor, striking the man three times. The man yells in pain and drops back against the wall, blood splattering everywhere. Harry's forehead hurts terribly, and he's then woken by Ron yelling his name. He opens his eyes and sees his best friend standing over him, looking terrified. Other figures standing by his bed wonder if they should call someone, but as they continue to call his name, Harry takes a deep breath and pushes himself up in bed before telling Ron that his dad has been attacked, bitten, and there's blood everywhere. Ron tries to reassure him that he was just dreaming, but Harry insists that it was not an ordinary dream. He was there. He saw it. He did it. Seamus and Dean are muttering in the background, and he doesn't care. He feels feverish and sweaty as he retches again, Ron telling him that he isn't well and Neville went for help. Harry again insists that he's fine, and it's Ron's dad they need to worry about because of the huge snake. He tries to get out of bed, but Ron pushes him back down. Eventually, Neville returns with Professor McGonagall, and Harry is so pleased to see a member of the Order of the Phoenix. He immediately sits up again and explains what he saw. She thinks he just dreamed it, but he explains again that he had been dreaming, and it was interrupted by this, and it was real. Mr. Weasley was attacked by a gigantic snake, and someone needs to help him. When McGonagall just gazes at him, looking horrified, he shouts that he's not lying or mad, he saw it happen. She curtly replies that she believes him and orders him to put on his dressing gown so they can go see the headmaster. This section of the movie continues the montage of DA meetings, starting right after Ginny demolishes the practice dummy and transitioning to Cho Chang casting Expelliarmus. Harry walks past her and the two exchange a look before he moves on to check on Neville. Neville gives his wand a very controlled flourish as he calls out Expelliarmus, and Parvati Pottle's wand goes flying from her hand. Everyone stops what they are doing to excitedly congratulate him, as Harry tells him fantastic and well done. It then cuts to Harry addressing the whole group with Ron and Hermione standing on either side of him. He informs them that that is it for that lesson, and, to everyone's disappointment, that they won't be meeting again until after the holidays. He says to keep practicing on their own and tells them they have been doing great work. Everyone claps and Ron leans over to Harry to tell him well done. 
Harry smiles and thanks him, then makes eye contact with Cho and watches her as she walks over to stand in front of a mirror. Hermione and Ron give Harry knowing looks, and Hermione tells Harry that they will see him in the common room. As everyone leaves, thanks Harry and says goodbye, he makes his way towards Cho, wishing them all a Merry Christmas as they walk past him. He is stopped by Fred and George, who attempt to discuss different ways they can dose Umbridge with various Weasley wizarding wheezes, but Harry just cuts them off to tell them it sounds great and excuses himself. He walks between them, and as they walk away, they look back at him as he continues to approach Cho. They are the only two left in the room of requirement when he asks her if she is alright because he heard that Umbridge gave her a rough time the other day. She says she is okay and also adds that it is worth it, looking at the mirror where a moving picture of Cedric Diggory smiles at her. She says that learning all of this makes her wonder if Cedric had known it, and Harry insists that he did and was really good, but Voldemort was better. She gives a small smile and tells Harry that he is a really good teacher because she's never been able to stun anything before. The two stare at each other and then look up as Mistletoe appears from nowhere, and Cho looks back at him and comments on it. Harry returns her gaze and says that it's probably full of nargles. When Cho asks what nargles are, he just responds that he has no idea, and the two lean in to kiss as the mistletoe continues to spread over their heads. The scene transitions with a J-cut as Ron's voice asks how it was before cutting to the trio sitting in front of the fire in the common room. Harry thinks about it and tells him it was wet, explaining that she was sort of crying. Ron thinks Harry was bad at it, which makes Harry look a little concerned until Hermione speaks up to say that she is sure Harry's kissing was more than satisfactory. It's just that Cho spends half her time crying these days. Ron laughs as he says that you'd think a bit of snogging would cheer her up, but Hermione tries to get him to consider how Cho has to be feeling. When both boys look completely confused, she explains that Cho is feeling sad about Cedric, confused about liking Harry, and therefore guilty about kissing him, conflicted because Umbridge is threatening to sack her mom from the ministry, plus frightened of failing her OWLs because she is so busy worrying about everything else. Ron chuckles again and says that one person couldn't feel all of that or they'd explode, and Hermione calls him out for having the emotional range of a teaspoon. The three of them then start giggling before the scene cuts to another dream of Harry's about the black-tiled corridor with the closed door at the end and the hissing, whispering sounds. It shifts between the corridor and a fitfully sleeping Harry, showing a large snake reflected in the black tile along the walls. Sirius's voice reiterates that Voldemort is after something he didn't have last time, as the camera zooms through the door and shows Mr. Weasley holding his lit wand up as he patrols rows of shelves holding countless glass orbs. He turns as he hears the snake approach and is thrown onto the floor as it attacks several times, leaving him covered in blood as Harry reacts and wakes up. The scene then cuts to McGonagall and Ron leading an ill-looking Harry down a corridor, all in their pajamas. There is actually quite a bit that is a ding here. Mm-hmm. Got a couple of dings. Quite a few. It's an exciting day for all of us. Yeah, it's actually kind of amazing how much these two scenes line up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are differences in details. As there's going to be. Yeah, so yes. we'll talk about that as we go through this. Mm-hmm. But the book chapter picks up right at the start of Dumbledore's army meeting. Mm-hmm. The DA meeting. Yes. And... Harry lets them know that they're just going to review the stuff they've done before because it's going to be their last meeting before they're off for three weeks. And by the way, three weeks for Christmas break is superior to two weeks. Facts. 
But he says that there's no point in starting something new at that point. Mm-hmm. And Zachariah Smith is like, I wish that you had said something before. If we're just going to be reviewing, I wouldn't bother coming. And of course, everybody else is just like, we wish he said something too then. <laughs> right? You are free to leave. Bye-bye. <laughs> he doesn't, though. He stays. Yeah. And they start off working on the impediment, Jinx. Sure. Harry pairs with Neville, of course, because odd number of people. Mm-hmm. And Neville is getting fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. He actually freezes Harry three different times using the impediment jinx. Yeah, he's getting bombed. Yeah. And after the third time, Harry's just like, okay, now you work with Ron and Hermione. I'm going to go be teacher. Mm-hmm. So they do this for about 10 minutes, and then they switch over to the stunning charm. And Harry's just watching everybody and just feeling so much pride because... It's just amazing all of the progress that they've made, especially when you consider this is probably the first time they've had any kind of consistency with lessons. Right. That's just got to feel so good as a teacher. Yeah. Just. Oh, it definitely does. Mm -hmm. At the end of the hour, he stops them, says exactly what we just said here. They're doing really well. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that they might even be able to start Patronuses after the holidays, which is huge. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And this is basically what is happening in the movie as well, but also not exactly, because why would it be? No. We're just rejoining your montage already in progress. Thanks to annoying out-of-order shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ginny has just wand-fucked the ever-living shit out of the practice dummy, and that is followed up with everyone practicing Expelliarmus as Harry walks around and observes, taking the opportunity to do a little eye-fucking with Cho, you know, because why wouldn't you? Opportunity arises. Facts. Don't pass it up. He makes his way around to Neville, who, in a moment of mad, crazy badassery, lands a beautiful Expelliarmus on Parvati, rendering her wandless. Which is slightly different from the book, since it was stunning and impediment mm-hmm. in the book, but it's still showing the same thing that Neville's getting it. Yeah, it's showing, because they started off with Neville not being able to use Expelliarmus right. and like his wand shooting backwards and all that shit, and now you're like... Bam, he's got it. Yeah, good full circle for the movie. Yeah, exactly. All things considered, you know. Somewhere in the back of our minds, we hear a record scratch as everyone turns to clap Neville on the back for a job well done. Because everyone's got to be so excited for him. I know I was. Right? No one, of course, seems more surprised than Neville. Or, for that matter, no one seems more proud than Harry. As he tells him that he knew he could do it. What? Harry... Are you implying that this scarecrow had the brains this whole time? (sighs) There's no place like home. Apparently. (laughs) Goodness. (laughs) And that is definitely something that's reflected from the book. The Mm -hmm. general pride that Harry feels, not just for Neville, but for everyone. Yeah. And also, again, like the way we were saying, it's showing Neville's growth. Yeah. As a wizard. And it's just, it's so nice to see. He deserves it. Right. Especially for as much as the movie cut out of really? him having his backstory and all that. Like, to then see him like, okay, well, at least they kept him a badass. There's something. I'm a fan. <laughs> we then see Harry giving everyone a pep talk before wishing them a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Fucking Year, saying that they'll meet again after the holidays. Everyone groans because they don't want to wait that long. But, I mean, really, what are they going to do? Like, stay at Hogwarts for Christmas? I don't think so. Harry doesn't even want to do that. Hell no. Like, not even DA practice would keep my ass from getting away from Umbridge for the holidays. There's just 
no sorry yeah i honestly kind of think that harry would rather be back with the dursleys and stay at hogwarts this year i know i would rather be at the dursleys than with umbridge fuck yeah and that says a whole lot yeah Mm -hmm. but he tells them to keep up practicing on their own and keep on kicking ass in the book this is the end of the meeting now and they all leave in their twos or threes as harry's watching on the map Mm -hmm. and when ron and hermione leave harry's just like I'm going to hang back. Mm -hmm. And he's noticing that Cho is still there, too. And she's kind of dilly-dallying. So he's just like, maybe I'll get a Merry Christmas from her. And he pretends to straighten the pillows, listening in as she tells Marietta to just go on without me. And he's got to be feeling like, hee, 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 hee. Oh, his own now. Yeah, but he's also just like playing it cool and waits for her to speak first. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, pretty similar in the movie. You know, the group all give Harry a rousing round of applause as Ron leans over him to tell him, well done. Good job, son. Harry then sees Cho across the room making some like horny doe eyes at him as she slyly makes her way further into the room to study the pictures on the mirror, quote unquote, you know, instead of actually leaving in the classic move that all teenage girls know and love. Mm Mm-hmm. I've done it many a time. I can't even pretend. Oh, I have to stop and tie my shoe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think I forgot something. Let me check my bag ad nauseum to see. Make sure. Oh, no, I dropped a paper clip. I must find it. It's somewhere here. Yeah. My contact lens. (laughs) Yeah. Hermione and Ron glance at each other and then at Harry, smirking as they make their exits, leaving Harry to become a man. Mm-hmm. Like, they know what's up. Oh, yeah. They know what's up. I don't think they were quite as clear on it in the book, but in the movie, they definitely right. know what's up. Oh, yeah. They were like, oh, it's on now. It's about to get it on. Right. I'm surprised, like, Ron didn't, like, elbow Hermione, like, do you see what's going on? It's happening. It's happening. The thing's happening. Oh, my God. Oh, he did it with his eyes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the movie does add some extra details for humor. Harry makes his way towards Cho, tossing out distracted Merry Christmases and good jobs to everyone he passes on his way. He's almost home free when Fred and George momentarily cock block him, because it's Fred and George, and they want to share all the ways that they can poison their teacher thing is if you're watching the movie they've already done so with filch so why talk to harry about it now maybe filch is less of a jump to poison than umbridge is i don't know i don't know yeah honestly i don't even know that fred and george would cock block harry in this moment if they knew what was going on i don't think they would i think that they would probably like hang back and be like assholes about it but i don't think they would like purposely cock block him no that way. i don't think so but apparently the movie thought that we need a funny cock block and who better to do that than twins true so harry just kind of brushes them off telling them that it all sounds great do all the things but he's got business to take care of the business of banging what banging business but that's not how it happened in the book yeah less banging less banging no fred and george cock blocking no because like i said i don't think they would if they right. were aware They had their own business to take care of, though. They're not hanging around. I kind of feel like if Fred and George did anything, they'd be like waiting outside for him afterwards. Just be like, 
Yeah. yeah. Hey. hey huh? yeah. You did a thing, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> I could see that. Or like applauding when he leaves the room. For sure. <laughs> Congratulate our boy's a man. Well done, yeah. Potter. You know, Stuff I could like see that. that but That's not... more their alley, I think. Definitely. But anyway, we've got Harry there waiting for Cho to say something so that he doesn't have to be the awkward initiator. Mm-hmm. And instead of hearing a Merry Christmas or, oh, it's just us, Harry, or I don't know what he was imagining she was going to say. It doesn't matter what he was imagining or what he was hoping for, because right. what he gets instead is a loud sniff. Sure. He looks over at her and realizes that she's just crying. Tears are just streaming down her face, and he's like, uh. <laughs> I think I mentioned it before, but Harry and the Potters did a song called The Human Hosepipe that was about Cho. <laughs> and that's all I think of yeah. anytime. I'm just the human hosepipe. He manages to ask her, What's up? Super smooth. cash. Yeah. So smooth. <laughs> She wipes her eyes and she says she's sorry for being so upset. She's just wondering if Cedric would still be alive if he had known how to do all of this. Ding from the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Harry explains that he did know how to do it all. He was actually really good at it. But mm-hmm. if Voldemort wants to kill you, he's going to do it. Aside from Harry. Which is what Cho mentions. Yeah. She's just like, you survived as a baby. He's just like, motherfucker, I was a baby. Yeah. I don't know how I survived. I just survived. I didn't do anything. It's not that I was good at defense against the dark arts as a baby. Like, right? Yes, Expelliarmus was my first word. Sure. (laughs) However, I just don't think that had anything to do with it this time. I'm just saying. It's not like I had a wand. Yeah. (laughs) Not a real one anyway. Right. You know, just a teething wand. (laughs) (laughs) yes but anyway like i was saying this is not what harry was hoping for so he's about to just bolt Mm -hmm. and he turns to walk towards the door and cho's like please don't leave and she apologizes again for being so teary Mm -hmm. and she's like i know that it must be horrible for you to hear about it when you probably just want to forget it and harry's just like it would probably be really rude for me to say yeah i do just want to forget it stop fucking talking about it But at the same time, not wrong. Not wrong. Not wrong. (laughs) He wisely just doesn't say anything at all. Mm Mm-hmm. But he doesn't leave. Yeah. He just stops and just... Enjoys the scenery. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) But she changes the subject and tells him that he's a really good teacher because she's never been able to stun anything before. Kind of a shit Ravenclaw. Poor Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers. Mm, True. Never mind. Comment rescinded. Yeah, and I also think that Ravenclaws tend to be a little bit more book smart than necessarily good at putting it to use. Eh, yeah. I'm sure she could explain exactly how you're supposed to do the stunning spell. Yeah. Kind of like in the first book when Hermione's trying to get her broom to up. lift up. Up. Yeah. Up. 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 And it just doesn't fucking do anything. Yeah. It just rolls around. She completely understands the whole theory behind yeah. it. It does not necessarily mean she can put it into practice in every situation. Yeah. She grasps the concept. Delivery's a little sketchy. But Harry takes the compliment like a champ. Mm -hmm. An awkward champ, but a champ nonetheless. And he says thanks. And Cho points out the mistletoe above them. Mm -hmm. Now, in a very different scenario than with Luna. Yes. He does not jump away from the mistletoe. He, like, shoves her in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> His mouth just goes very dry. Mm-hmm. 
And he awkwardly, because that's just the theme of this moment. I mean, he's 15, so it's just kind of the theme. Is a thing. Yeah. But he awkwardly just says it's probably full of Nargles. Sure. Which makes Cho want to know what Nargles are. And Harry honestly has no idea. It says that she'd have to ask Looney, which I hate. He does correct himself and immediately say Luna afterwards. But why is it in his head? Right. I don't like that it's in his head to say that. And I know he gets away from that much later on. But in this moment, I was just like, hmm. Or maybe he did it on purpose because it does make Cho giggle. She kind of like laugh sobs. Well, and maybe because he's talking to Cho, she's in the same house as Luna. So she's probably more used to hearing that. I don't like it, but it is what it is. It happened. Cho kind of laugh cries. Then tells Harry that she really likes him. And leans in, and speaking of stunning, mm-hmm. the stunning spell, that's basically what happens to Harry's brain. Yeah, his brain, like, literally just, just, just like, falls backwards. Yeah. Just, just duh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is nearly exactly how it happened in the movie. Rare that I get to say that. It's right? Kinda... <laughs> what? I want to do it again. This is nearly exactly how it happened in the movie. Oh, that just feels good. Wait, what? That's how it happened in the movie? That's (laughs) nearly exactly how it happened in the movie. Odd. Ooh, gives me a little shiver to say it. But he finally makes his way over to Cho and asks if she's all right because he heard about some shit going down with Bitch Mall the other day. Slight addition. Mm Mm-hmm. Which goes back to the montage where she's the one walking into... Pepto Bitch Mall's office, right. and she offers her tea and, you know, then closes the door. So only God knows what happened there. Oh, he'll share it with us later. I was like, we'll find out later, <laughs> definitely. But she tells him that, yeah, she's cool, and points out that the rough times are worth it because she gets to be taught by such a dreamboat. Oh. Ooh, Harry, you're so cute. Mm. Then... If the hormones and sky-high emotions aren't enough to make this weird as hell, she focuses on a picture of her dead ex-boyfriend. Yeah, so it's definitely very similar. Mm-hmm. Nearly exactly is a good phrase for it because yeah. it's alluding to so much of the same, but that nearly needs to be in there because right. it's slightly different. We're a bit like Sir Nicholas because, you know, we're nearly like, nearly headless. headless. Yeah. Nearly exactly. How can it be nearly exactly? Like this. <laughs> exactly. As I flourish towards my computer screen. Flourish. Yes. She then tells Harry that she wonders if Cedric would still be alive if he knew all this shit. Which, ding. first off, ding. Second one, way to set the mood, Joe. One of those really romantic dates. <laughs> but Harry points out that Cedric did know all this shit, and he was a hella good wizard. Problem here is, hella good isn't hella helpful when you're up against Voldemort. Like, that's kind of negating the entire reasoning behind doing this whole defense club thing, but I digress. In the interest of not thinking about that fact, Cho just gives him a smile and tells him that he's a good teacher. Because generally she sucks. But, you know, once she's got dead ass to look at, she listens a little better. Just saying. Apparently. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, you know, just having a teacher helps. I like to give Harry a little morale boost and think that it's got at least something to do with dead ass. Perhaps. Just saying. Harry and Cho lock eyes and both look up as mistletoe sprouts randomly between the two of them. Way to be a great wingman room of requirement. Yeah, it's interesting because the book set up the mistletoe first. Earlier, yeah. But the room of requirement definitely set this up for them in the movie. I'm not saying that this completely supports my theory that the room of requirement is made for banging, but... 
It is a requirement at times. It- <laughs> I'm just saying. But let's move on because we're talking about teenagers. The room of requirement. Helping pathetic, horny teenagers get some since the 10th century. I believe I said we were going to move on. <sighs> I had other jokes, but fine. Cho points out that it is in fact mistletoe, just in case there was any confusion. Meanwhile, in the grand tradition of stupid shit teenagers say at weird and inopportune times, Harry somehow decides that it's a good idea to think about Luna in this moment and says that it's probably full of nargles. Ding for the book. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. Cho's brow furrows and she asks what the fuck nargles are? But Harry is just staring at them lips, looking like he wants to make a meal out of them, and says, no idea, right before moving in for the kill and sucking some face. On the plus side, he doesn't insult Luna in this scene. But speaking of in the book, Mm -hmm. it kind of skips over the kiss. It definitely just alludes to it by talking about how Harry's brain just goes to mush. And you can find a lot of fan fiction that goes more in depth with that if you want. But I'm okay. I'm I'm just just going to go with what's in the book. (laughs) I was just telling the listeners. Yes. (laughs) But it just sort of jumps forward to when Harry's back in the common room where Mm -hmm. he finds Hermione, who's writing a book of a letter. As Hermione is wont to do. And Ron, who is trying to finish his transfiguration homework. As Ron is usually not wont to do. (laughs) It's kind of an odd moment, but okay. And because book Ron was nowhere near up on it as movie Ron. He's mm-hmm. like, what kept you? <laughs> Where you been, buddy? Yeah. And Harry, who still has a semi-stunned brain, can't find the words to answer. Understandably. Which makes Hermione wonder if he's okay. Mm-hmm. And this time he manages a shrug. Yeah. And Ron is not so clueless that he doesn't acknowledge that something's up. Yeah. And he's like, what happened? Harry still can't find the words. Mm -hmm. So Hermione just says, did Cho corner you after the meeting? Because Mm -hmm. Hermione's with it. Mm -hmm. Harry manages to nod. Still can't find words. Mm -hmm. Which makes Ron snigger because now he's getting caught up and he's being a boy about it. Well, once Cho's brought up, he's just like, oh, oh, this. He's just like, so what Cho want, huh? Yeah. (laughs) And... Harry is still just sitting there like, uh, so Hermione says, did you kiss? Mm -hmm. Just flat out. Did you kiss? You know, leave it to Hermione to just cut to the chase, cut right through all the bullshit. Yep. And at this question, Ron immediately stops laughing, Mm -hmm. sits up straight, wants to know what's going on. Like, did you, did you, did you? Oh, Ron wants the tea. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Harry manages another nod, which mm-hmm. makes Ron just like triumphantly put a fist up in the air like, yeah. And he starts laughing again. Such a boy. And says, how was it? Because at this point, we know Ron has not gotten any action in that category. No, no. He asks Harry how it was. Mm-hmm. And Harry thinks about it for a second. And the only adjective he can come up with is wet. If this were a different fan fiction, that would be a good thing. Could be, yes. I'm just saying. But... In this case, it is not. No, and Ron kind of makes a disgusted sound until Harry explains that she was sort of crying. That makes it so much worse. Right? And then Ron's (laughs) just like, oh, God, are you that bad at kissing? (laughs) (laughs) And Harry has never even considered that that was a possibility. But now that Ron has brought this to his attention, he's just like, oh, my God, am I that bad at kissing? And again, Hermione being much more up on things, just like, of course you're not bad at kissing, which makes Ron go, how do you know, Hermione? (laughs) And Hermione's just like, because 
Cho spends half her time crying these days. Human hosepipe. And again, we got a ding. Woo! <laughs> it's exciting. We then join the gab session in the common room, directly following the makeout session. All these sessions are super fun. Ron is asking for all the tea. And Harry responds with the less than ideal wet. Ding! Mm-hmm. Now, what is an appropriate descriptor for a lot of things that two people could do in the room of requirement? But it's an odd thing if all that happened was kissing. Right. Harry expands on that adjective and tells them that she was kind of crying. Ding! Dingity ding ding ding! Ron chuckles and asks if Harry is really that bad at it, which... Ding! Ding! And Harry seems confused by... Also, kind of ding there. But Hermione pops up in Harry's defense to say that she's sure that Harry is on the good side of decent, at least. But Cho's got some shit on her mind and generally cries most of the time. Dingity ding ding ding! Ding! Ding dong! Book quote calling! I'm getting too excited about all these dings. Right? Ron laughs once again and says making out should really brighten her spirits, but Hermione once again, giving Ron way more credit than he deserves, asks Ron to think about her feelings. Yeah, in the book, she does not give Ron that credit. No. Actually, the biggest difference between these two sections is the overall tone of them. Mm -hmm. Because even though a lot of the same things are getting said, Mm Mm-hmm. Hermione is not saying it in a funny way or a nice way or like humoring Ron sort of way. She flat out tells him that he's an insensitive wart when he says some snogging would cheer her up. Yeah. She's just like, no, you're just being a douchebag. Yeah. It's like, could you be a little more bro for me? Because, ew. Better yet, don't. Exactly. (laughs) But she explains to them both that Cho is feeling sad because of Cedric dying. Mm Mm-hmm. That she's confused because she also likes Harry, but can't figure out who she actually likes best. Not that it ultimately matters. She can't really have Cedric anymore. So again, back to the sad. Exactly. Guilty because she's worried that kissing Harry could be considered an insult to Cedric's memory. Mm-hmm. Especially since he was the one with him when he died. Like, that's all just very weird. Right. And that makes her worried about what everyone else would be saying if she does start going out with Harry. And then on top of that, it's just all confusing in general. And she's really afraid she's going to be thrown off the Ravenclaw Quidditch team because all of this shit is making her fly like shit. Yeah. I mean, they can't talk about that in the movie because there's no, <laughs> there's no Quidditch. Quidditch. But anyway. Yeah, they add in a couple of other things instead of the Quidditch mm-hmm. perspective since it's not yeah, an option. OWLs and yeah, all that. Which, yeah. Whatever. Which, yeah. Which I kind of imagine like Hermione like pulling down like a projector screen and just being like, this is why Cho is upset. Yeah. There's this, there's this, there's this and this and this. It's a flow chart. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that would still help Ron understand it because he's just like, nobody could feel all of that at once without exploding. Right. And Hermione says this line. That we will hear she says it in the movie as well. Mm -hmm. But when she says it in the book, she's being nasty about it. She's like, just because you have the emotional range of a teaspoon doesn't mean we all do. Oh, yeah. Her bitch comes out of it. Yeah. She's just like, no, Ron, we know how to have feelings. Right. You just suck. Yeah. And again, like we have a ding in the words being said. Yes. 
Harry and Ron both look incredibly confused. So Hermione goes into a bit of a rant about Cho's dead boyfriend, plus weird feelings over possible new not-dead boyfriend, not to mention the fact that Umbridge is causing shit for her mom at the ministry. Which is one of the minor changes, because that was really Marietta's role. Exactly. Plus the big-ass standardized test at the end of the year, and when you compound all of that together... You got a lot of tears. And again, the standardized test thing does not technically apply because Cho is a six year in the book. Right. That always kind of bothered me. I was like, she's a year older than him. Why? She's not taking her O.W. Wells. No. But in the movie, she is. Whatever. 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 Minor changes. Ron, at this point, just kind of laughs in Teenage Boy and says, all those feelings are not possible because feelings are stupid and we should just ignore them. I'm a dude. Last part was inferred. Hermione delivers the incredible line, same as in the book, about him having the emotional range of a teaspoon, and everybody laughs and laughs and laughs before suddenly things become less funny. But in the book, they're already not funny. No, it's already not funny. It's a lot of stress and frustration and nerves on Harry's part and jealousy on Ron's part and annoyance on Hermione's part. Definitely, because nobody wants to be an emotional teacher. No, that's really emotionally draining. It is, yes. What I think is fun about this scene is maybe it wasn't initially supposed to have that tone, Mm -hmm. but I did read somewhere that they got so giggly during that scene that all of that laughter was really natural. So (laughs) they just thought it was really a sweet, cute moment and left it that way. Yeah. So maybe it initially wasn't supposed to be so giggly, but because they were just kind of giggly, they thought it was cute and kept with it. Right. Or maybe like they knew that they just needed a lighthearted moment for that portion of the movie because it all gets very serious right away afterwards. Very serious. (sighs) For fuck's sake, (laughs) But anyway, that first part is definitely a ding. Mm -hmm. Less part, less so, because they aren't that giggly in the book. Hermione, like I said, is definitely more nasty about it. Yeah. And then we also get more detail because, like I said, Harry is feeling really nervous about all of this now. Now he thinks he fucked this shit up. And he's really defensive. He's just like, well, Cho started it all. I didn't know what to do. She just like (laughs) came at me and she was crying. And Hermione was like, you were just supposed to be nice to her. Were you nice to her? And he's like, well, I sort of patted her on the back a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Harry. And Hermione can acknowledge that he's not as bad as Ron. Yeah. Manages to not roll her eyes. Right. And just says, well, are you going to see her again? It kind of makes me wonder how Ron would have reacted if Joe had just come at him crying. (laughs) Run. (laughs) Feelings. Run away. Run away. Crack a joke. Right. Say something. The wrong thing. Absolutely. Oh, entirely. Could be worse. But anyway, Hermione asks if he's going to see her again. And he's like, I don't know like she was crying all over me and i don't know what to do and hermione's like don't worry you're gonna have plenty of opportunity to ask her and ron's just like what if he doesn't want to ask her and hermione says don't be silly harry's liked cho for ages and harry's just over there thinking i mean i did like cho but i like happy cho not (laughs) sobbing uncontrollably cho i don't know what to do with that i just boy that's that's a boy for you right there yeah and it's super awkward and ron in a rare moment of realizing it's super awkward just goes who are you writing to to Hermione (laughs) no segue at all on no and this was the wrong question for him to ask if he was hoping to get over his jealousy because 
when she tells him that she's writing Victor Crumb, he just goes completely silent. Mm-hmm. And it's just now like 20 minutes of silence. And Ron is just trying, probably not well, but trying to finish his yeah. essay. Hermione's wrapping up this letter to Crumb. And Harry is just staring into the fire, just wishing beyond all wishes that his godfather's head would appear there to give him advice about girls because he strikes me as somebody that's really successful in that category. I mean, I don't want to call him a pussy hound, but I'm just saying. I mean, he is very good looking, but he is also single and spent 12 years in Azkaban, so I'm not sure that he is full of good advice. But his last dating experience was when he was much younger, so that's probably all he has to go by. So he probably does have pretty decent. I mean, maybe, but I don't think he does. Well, do you remember what he was like in school? He was a fuckboy. He was a massive fuckboy. You can't tell me he wasn't. Fair enough. Anyway, obviously this doesn't happen. He cannot appear in the fire at this point. It is not safe at all. And he's certainly not going to do so just to give Harry advice on girls. Right. So Harry just ends up staring at this crackling fire. And at this point, they're the last three left in the common room because that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. And Hermione finishes the letter, yawns, and says good night before heading up to her dormitory. Ron and Harry make their way to their own as well. And Ron is just like, what is she even seeing, Crumb? How'd that go again? What is she even seeing, Crumb? <laughs> All right. You know that's what Ron sounds like when he's upset. Sure. <laughs> Makes his Mick Jagger face. Right. (laughs) Puts into it, apparently. All right. What I love about this is Harry actually seriously considers it before answering. And he's just like, well, I mean, he's older and he's an international Quidditch player. Like, that could be something that she finds appealing. Right. (laughs) And Ron's just like, well, yeah, but apart from that, he's just a grouchy kid. And you're not? (laughs) He says grouchily. Right. And Harry's just like, yeah, he's a bit grouchy. And he's just thinking about Cho. He's like humoring Ron. Yeah. But he's like, I don't know. And they change into their pajamas and they get in bed. And Harry falls asleep still thinking about Cho. So it naturally lends himself to a dream where Cho's upset with him because. Sure. What's on his mind right now? Chocolate frog cards. Apparently. Because yeah. that's <laughs> he finds himself back in the DA room. And Cho is accusing him of luring her there under false pretenses because, quote, he promised her 150 chocolate frog cards. Which was our trivia question. Right? Mm -hmm. And Harry's just like, I don't have any chocolate frog cards. And she's like, you promised me. Cedric gave me loads of chocolate frog cards. And she just like pulls out fistfuls of chocolate (laughs) frog cards and just starts throwing them at him. And Hermione's in the background going, you did promise her. You should probably give her something to make up for the fact that you don't have chocolate frog cards to give her. Maybe your firebolt. You should give her your firebolt. And he's just like, I can't give her my firebolt. It's locked up. And this is all really ridiculous. Anyway, I just came here to hang bobbles decorations with Dobby's head on them. I don't know what is. And then the dream shifts and i bet he wishes he was staying in that part of the dream yeah Mm -hmm. that one may have actually been less stressful than what we're about to get to yeah we didn't actually get any of the humorous random dream in the movie because we are now back in harry's head which is just not a place that you want to be on a good day never mind when you've got voldemort running amok up there In a new episode of How Fucked Up Can Harry's Dreams Get, we're traveling down that dark tiled hallway once again. But there's a lot of hissing and whispering and just not good noises all around. 
No chocolate frog cards. Not lighthearted at all. No. Unnerving, to say the least, yeah. I would think. Yeah. We go back and forth between the hallway and Harry kind of tossing and turning before we see in the dark tile a large snake. And I'm talking a legit snake, not something dirty, because y'all are nasty. No, this is not a dirty snake. This is no. a nope rope. This is definitely a fuck nope rope. We can hear voices whispering among them. We hear Sirius saying that Voldemort is looking for a weapon of some kind as we continue to make our way down the hallway until we come across Mr. Weasley holding his wand alight, surrounded by some like weird ass glass orbs. Yeah. And there's a couple of things different here. Mm -hmm. For one thing, I don't know that the movie gave us a really solid impression that Harry was seeing things from the snake's point of view. Like, it was there. Yeah. But it also kept switching camera angles. It switched camera angles. And then we were talking earlier, the the reflection in the mirrored tiles, it was the snake looking forward, where right. it should have been, if Harry was seeing through the snake's eyes, it should have been looking at the yeah, tile. they kept switching things. So it kind of... I think that anybody watching still would have known. Yeah. But at the same time, it was inconsistent and that bugged me. Mm-hmm. Like if you really go in depth with it, like we did earlier, then it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's not what just happened. Right. No. And there are moments of it that it is as blatant as it is in the book. Yeah. But the book is so blatant. It's just like Harry's body feels smooth, powerful, and flexible. Mm-hmm. And it flat out mentions that he is gliding through yep. on his belly. On his belly, like, yeah. So, like, at this point, there is no doubt in our minds that Harry is the snake. Yeah. Another slight difference is that he is just in the corridor. Mm -hmm. And it appears to be empty at first. But then this Harry snake notices a man sitting outside the door that is locked. Mm -hmm. Who is, like, sleeping. And the invisibility cloak has partially slipped off of him, which is why you didn't quite see him at first, but do after the fact. Yeah. And Harry, as a snake, longs to bite him. Sure. Like snakes do. Right. Mm -hmm. But is also well aware that he shouldn't. He has another job to do instead. Mm -hmm. And just kind of tries to go past him unfortunately the presence of the snake seems to have awoken the man who starts to stir and then jumps up and the invisibility cloak falls the rest of the way to the floor he pulls out his wand and it leaves Harry snake with no other option but to attack and mm -hmm. he strikes him one two three times yeah causing the man to yell in pain obviously i would yeah. scream if i got bit by a snake i got bit by a little itty bitty snake that barely had anything beyond baby teeth and i screamed I don't like snakes. It didn't even hurt. It was just startling. Mm. And I screamed. So yeah. this would suck. But he falls back against the wall, slides down. Blood has splattered everywhere. Mm -hmm. And Harry Snake can feel his forehead hurting. Yeah. But then gets woken up by Ron yelling his name. Mm -hmm. He opens his eyes, sees Ron standing over him. There's other people at the foot of his bed talking like should we call somebody he's not okay what's going mm -hmm. on they keep going harry 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 and harry takes a deep breath sits up in bed he's just like ron your dad's been attacked mm -hmm. he was bitten there's blood everywhere and ron's like what the fuck dude you were dreaming calm down yeah it's like, all good dude and harry's like no 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 this was not a dream i was there i saw it i did it yeah which is a weird thing to say yeah but he says it i mean it is yeah. very blatant that mm -hmm. he was the snake 
And Seamus and Dean are muttering in the background, but Harry doesn't even care. He feels feverish and just sick, and he almost throws up again. And Ron, like, backs away, and he's just like, dude, you're not well, but Neville went for help. Just lay down, chill out, it's fine. And Harry's just like, no, it, it, I'm fine. Yeah. Your daddy is not. We have to worry about your dad. It was a huge snake. It bit him. Yeah. He tries to get up, and Ron pushes him back down. And then, finally, Neville comes back with Professor McGonagall, and Harry's just like, oh, my God. Professor McGonagall, this is perfect. This is a member of the Order of the Phoenix. I thought you were going to go get Madame Pomfrey and I was going to get all like, blah, blah, blah. you need yeah. to rest. You need to take, take this potion. But no, Professor McGonagall. And he immediately sits up again. And he's just like, this is what I saw. She thinks he dreamed it too. And he's just like, no, I was dreaming. I was having a weird, completely unrelated, ridiculous dream. And this interrupted it. It was real. It was different. Mr. Weasley was attacked by a giant snake and someone needs to help him. Mm -hmm. How are you not getting this through your heads? Yeah. Come on. Wake up, people. Right? And McGonagall's just staring at him, looking slightly horrified. And he's like, I'm not crazy. I'm not lying. I saw this happen. And Mm -hmm. she just says, Potter, I believe you. Get dressed. We're going to go see the headmaster. Calm your tits. Right. We're on this. We got it. Mm Mm-hmm. Movie streamlines this whole section quite a bit. Yeah. Like, quite a goddamn bit. But basically, things take a turn for the traumatic when Mr. Weasley falls to the floor as he is attacked by the snake. Homeboy really just fucks him up. Like, fucks him up hard. And this part really did look like it was from the snake's point of view. Because they had the camera lurching at him Mm -hmm. with each attack. Yeah, that, like, quick zoom in, like a snake's attack. Mm -hmm. It was actually really well done. Yeah, I liked it. If they had been more consistent up to that point, that would have been better. But at least they did that part. They did that part. Is what it is. Yup. Luckily, we don't have to watch that whole scenario because it cuts right to a pajama-clad McGonagall and Ron rushing Harry down the hallway as the boy looks ready to just hurl. Yeah. Just, he's looking rough. So this is where the book chapter in the movie scene ends, Mm -hmm. which is basically in about the same place. Yeah. On their way to see the headmaster. Yeah. And... It's just we don't get that whole Ron waking him up and... The panic. Yeah. We never really got the panic. And I think that's what I miss. Okay. It just felt like a huge jump from this dream to him looking sick. I wanted to see that nobody's fucking believing me. And of course we will get it. We'll talk about it next week. But it just felt like a big jump for me. And I missed seeing Harry trying to convince Ron Mm -hmm. that he wasn't just dreaming. I personally didn't miss it. I felt like the way that they were walking Harry, like Ron's got his holding his arm down the hallway and McGonagall's leading the way kind of, but she's still hanging back in case she needs to help Ron. It felt like I kind of felt like it was like it could be inferred. Not obviously the whole thing where he's like trying to convince them. Like, so I get what you're saying where you kind of wanted the whole thing where they're like, no, it was a dream. You're cool. Everything's fine now. And he's like, no, yeah, it was a dream, but it wasn't a dream. It's like a thing that happened. It was like almost premonition like. Yeah. And I think the reason why I was upset that we didn't get that is because it gets used against him later on. Yeah. So it would have been nice to have that little bit of a setup where he is differentiating between a dream and almost like a vision. Yeah. Which I now thinking about, it, I kind of have a di- differing opinion based on how it gets used later in the movie as well, well but we'll, we'll get to that, about then. that then. Yeah. yeah. But since there's no real new movie characters to talk about, we've talked about them all that were present in this scene. Mm-hmm. 
we're just going to move on to our Potter pondering, which we're wondering, do you think Cho actually really likes Harry? Like she's flat out says, or are her feelings more of a trauma response with everything that has been going on in her life? Is she just clinging to the memory of Cedric by... And somebody that she thinks understands how she feels. Yeah. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Get it to us by Wednesday if you want it to make it in the next episode. And if you can't make that deadline, don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok or just comment with it in general on social media. Mm -hmm. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Christina Mary Hayden. She writes, At Pottermore, I was sorted into Gryffindor, but I feel more at ease and at home in Hufflepuff. I don't know my wand. As for how I came to be a fan, it was a surprise. At first, I avoided things as I thought it was too mainstream, but then I saw the first movie and I was captivated. I'm not sure how long it took me to get and read the first book, But as I look at my shelves, I see one through four in softcover and five through seven in hardcover. If that tells you anything. (laughs) I made some new friends with this fandom and have some great memories. I made my nephew a potions chest. And then she sent us this picture of this awesome chest. It's like a wooden trunk-like box and the inside is lined in gold and it's filled with different containers and bottles and old-fashioned keys. And it's really fucking neat. Yeah, it is really cool. Uh Uh-huh. She continues on telling us about different adventures that she went on with friends and family. She says, I went to a Harry Potter mystery event at a bookshop with my sister and her best friend. My nephew and I went to a wizard fest this past fall or summer. In the fall of 2016, I got to go to the WB Studio Tour in Leavesden. Thanks to my man up near Newcastle who got us tickets, and he's not even a fan. Those are the best friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I give thanks to the world of Harry Potter for all the adventures it has brought my way. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Christina. Yes, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, what are the names of the witch and wizard in the portraits that Dumbledore sends to raise the alarm about Mr. Weasley's attack? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag between portraits will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com to let us know you did and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to support us as a patron, you can sign up on patreon.com slash foxsakepod. 
$2 and up a month will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to patron-only Facebook groups, chats, our Discord channel, virtual hangouts, and more. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated, even if it's just telling your Harry Potter friends about us. And if you don't have any Harry Potter friends, there's another reason to join our Patreon because you will meet some of the best Harry Potter people ever. I mean, just the best people ever, really. There's that too. Period. End of sentence. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 22, St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries, and the barely corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. And in the meantime... Keep calm and Harry on! Oh, for fuck's sake.